everybody thank you for tuning in to the ladies promoting transparent advocacy podcast i am your podcast host shape pate and this tune is called wonderful so i thought it would be a good tune to start off my wonderful women wednesday sit back as we celebrate a wonderful woman here we go and enjoy the episode everybody as you know on this wonderful women wednesday i mentioned to you guys that i am going to be focusing on stacy abrams and as you know i am and i always give my disclaimer a big supporter of stacy abrams i was in 2018 and i definitely will be for 2022 and for those of you who don't know who she is which i would be very surprised because of the fact that She's been in the spotlight since her bid for the Georgia governor's seat in 2018. She's received a zillion accolades since then. So I wanted to start this episode off with just some things um, coming out of her camp. And I want to read um, an article that was done on December 6th, which was actually on, what's today? It was Tuesday. Um, excuse me, Monday. And it's from Axios. Atlanta, and it's entitled Inside Stacey Abrams 2022 Strategy. It's an article written by Emma Hurt, and this is what it says. In her first major interview since Stacey Abrams entered the governor's race campaign, manager Lauren Graw Wargo sums up to Axios the organizing principle behind her boss, second bid for Georgia's highest office. People are in historic pain through this pandemic that has driven the further racial and income inequity in our state. Now, that's quoted by Lauren. And then she goes on to say why it matters. More than three years after she narrowly lost to incumbent Governor Brian Kemp, Abrams' second run at the seat will happen in a vastly different environment. Now, I just want to pause before I finish reading this article because I want the listeners and especially the Georgia voters to pay attention to that because I'm going to be honest and anybody that knows me knows I'm a major contributor, supporter, campaigner for Stacey Abrams. So I always put that out there. But before she ran for governor in 2018, I didn't know that much about her. I was impressed with what I learned about her. Since then, I am really impressed and I understand what she's done. She's doing things for voter rights, not just Democrat voter rights, because voter suppression, which people don't understand, does affect the Republican and the Democratic parties. Now, Lauren goes on to say uh, why, um, excuse me, she goes on to say she has national name recognition now and new fundraising Prowls, while Kemp is an incumbent governor who also faces an unprecedented intra-party Republican battle brewing with former Senator David Perdue. 
Now, Lauren goes on to say that Abrams campaign will continue its 2018 strategy on building a diverse coalition of white voters and voters of color. So the non-colored uh, listeners and voters that are listening to this, I need you to understand this because Stacey was never a divisive candidate like they made her be. Now, keep in mind, she's going to definitely be put on a uh, far right, far left scale and the black and the white scale and the woman and the men's scale. So she's opposite of everything that the Republicans are doing. And they definitely are going to trash her. So just watch out. But let me finish reading this article. This is a good article for those who are not familiar with Stacy. And I know I have international listeners, so I kind of want to school you as well. And this is all Lauren talking to Oxios, Atlanta. She goes on to say, when I started in politics in this state, that was something that people viewed to be at odds, that you had to do one or the other, she said. That is something we've always rejected. She says more than 1.2 million new voters will have entered Georgia's electoral since 2018, and they skew younger and more diverse than statewide numbers. Yes, but what's not necessarily obvious is how you put that together in a midterm election. Lauren goes on to say, we're not going to sugarcoat. We don't win a lot of midterms. That's not a thing we do in our party. The national climate for Democrats and President Joe Biden's approval ratings are seen as obstacles for candidates like Abrams in 2022. Abrams aides have been quick to point out the long-term headwinds facing the Georgia GOP with the incoming challenging primary and a shrinking base of voters. What to expect from the Abrams campaign? This is what you could expect according to Lauren. Okay, according to Lauren, what to expect from the Abrams campaign for 2022? They will build an operation immediately that is fully statewide, culturally competent, and reflects all the diversity of our state. We have the financial power to do so in our fundraising, and we'll be able to really move on that very quickly. Plus, she said, there will be some different things we're going to do that address this particular moment when people are in so much pain. And that, the, that'll be the pieces you'll start to see us put together in coming months. The bottom line, uh, Lauren says, unlike 2018, Abrams has settled the debate as to whether she's qualified for the job and no longer needs to build name ID. Of course, that means Republicans know who, excuse me, Republicans know her too. And of course, Republicans don't like her, she said, but Republicans don't like their incumbent governor either. So I'm not sure that's exactly a liability at this time and gives us a lot of runaway to build out our coalition. We are in a big D democratic boom in Georgia. We have energy and momentum and infrastructure on our side, and we are unified. That is also absolutely huge and critical going into next year. Now, you can find us on Axios Atlanta or Axios.com. I always like to give my sources, but I wanted to read that first. And I just really am shocked of some of the things um, that are going on in this state already because these people are really, really trying to 
change the scenario. And you've got two Republicans that are neck and neck uh, going at each other's throats. So this is going to be interesting in the state of Georgia. But I just wanted to give that statement first before we talk about Stacey Abrams and um, what she has done and what she plans to do and what is going to be happening and what has happened since 2018 when she ran for the governor race in Georgia. So let's talk about uh, our wonderful Women Wednesday, Miss Stacey Abrams, who is once again running for the governor's seat in the state of Georgia. Now, as everybody knows, Stacey Abrams has not made it quiet that she's against the new Georgia voting rights bill. And I just want to remind you all how the Republicans are going to come at her. And race is a factor, whether people want to admit it or not, but it is. I want to play an interview that she did um, a while back when she was talking to Congress about this bill. And listen to how Senator John Kennedy is talking to her and specifically what he asked her. Check this out. You, you're against the Georgia bill, I gather. Is that right? I'm against certain provisions of it, yes. Okay, I think you've called it a racist bill. Am I right? I think there are provisions of it that are racist, yes. Okay. Tell me specifically, just give me a list of the provisions that you objected. I object to the provisions that remove access to the right to vote. It shortens the federal runoff period from nine weeks to four weeks. Okay. It restricts the time a voter can request and return an absentee ballot application. Right. It requires that a voter have a photo identification or some other form of identification that they're willing to surrender in order to participate in the absentee ballot um, process. That, that limits- if I can stop you, that's, that's where they're going... Uh, to to uh, not comparing signatures, but to voter ID? Yes, sir. And as okay. Ms. Eiffel has pointed out, we would come only the fourth state in the nation to require voters to put yes, at ma'am. risk what, their what, identity. What else? What else? It eliminates over 300 hours of Dropbox availability. Okay, it what else? Nearly, it bans nearly all out-of-precinct votes. Bans what? I'm sorry? Out of... It, Bans nearly all out of precinct votes. Okay. Meaning that if you get to a precinct and you are in line for four hours and you get to the end of the line and you are not there between five and seven p.m. Okay. You what have else? To start all over again. Is that everything? It, no, it is not. <laughs> no, sir. It restricts the hours of operation because it now, under the guise of setting a standardized timeline, it makes it optional for counties that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, may not want to see expanded access to the right to vote. They can now limit their hours. Instead of those hours being from 7 to 7, they're now from 9 to 5, which may have an effect on voters who cannot vote during business hours uh, during early voting. It limits the... Okay, I get the idea. I get the idea. Now, I just want to do something a little different because I want people to know who Stacey Abrams is. Now, not only is she an activist for voting rights, she is a very successful author. She has romance. um, If you go to my previous episode on her, she has romance novels under a different pen name. And I'm not going to talk about that too much. I have a whole episode strictly on that. But she also has a very successful book, which, of course, I have, and it's um, called While Justice Sleeps. 
And I found an article on cbsnews.com. It's actually an interview that she did regarding the book. And if you read the book, you will understand how she thinks um, a little better. And I, like I said, I found an interview that she did on CBS News on December 1st. So as I said, I want you guys to know who she is other than the uh, voting activist and the person who ran for the governorship in Georgia in 2018. So what I want to do before I get into like real specific details about her, I thought it was fun to uh, listen to this interview and I want you guys to check out this interview. Stacey Abrams is one of the country's best-known voting rights advocates, and she's also a prolific author. In her new thriller, While Justice Sleeps, a Supreme Court clerk has to unravel an international conspiracy that goes to the highest levels of government. And Stacey Abrams joins us now. Stacey, good morning to you. Uh, allow me to be the first person to read you a great New York Times review here that ends, Abrams has realized what surely was her chief ambition to entertain. That's good news. And we want to get to the book. But, but first, while we have you, uh, it, there are some twists and turns in our world as we live it uh, that I want you to comment on if you could. There are about 11 states right now in the country that have passed restrictions on voting that could have a big impact on 2022 and beyond. Uh, what concerns you most about what you're seeing right now? That rather than this bringing every American to attention and raising their concerns. This is being treated as a partisan exercise. Unfortunately, this is Republicans who are stripping access to the right to vote from all Americans, and it is a danger to our democracy. This is not about who wins an election. It's about whether we have elections that are free and fair. And unfortunately, in these states, we are seeing a response to free and fair elections by trying to strip away and restrict access, particularly for communities of color, young people, and the disabled. And that is deeply problematic and should be of concern to everyone. So there is the issue of how it affects uh, trust in our elections, uh, in the, the, the act of democracy itself. And yet there's also the practical political implication. What does this mean, do you think, for 2022 for Democrats' chances? Again, I... I, I certainly recognize that I enter this conversation as someone who has a very strong allegiance to the Democratic Party. But what is so important is that we not relegate this and, and be so reductive that we think about this as a purely political issue. Because the reality is, no matter what the intent, the undermining of our democracy is a danger to everyone, regardless of their party. And that's why it's so urgent that we stop treating this as a binary conversation between Democrats and Republicans and really focus on this as an issue of citizenship versus partisanship. Yeah, the Senate will begin debate today on a very interesting bill. It's called the For the People Act, and it would create federal standards uh, for voting access, uh, some minimums for providing access uh, to the ballot box. Doesn't seem to have a chance, uh, but what do you see? Is there a path forward for this bill? I think the more we watch these states undertake the continuation of what the insurrectionists began on January 6th, the more likely we are to see real response at the federal level. This is not the first time the federal government has had to step in and reassert the fundamental notions of who we are as a nation. And my hope is that while this process continues in the U.S. Senate, that we see a return to just the fundamentals. We've got former secretaries of state, former governors who are sitting in that body now who understand how important it is to protect the right to vote for every American. Stacey Abrams, you're known for writing your romance novels like Hidden Sins, <laughs> Secrets and Lies, Deception, Never Tell. 
The Art of Desire, and they're written under the name, did you like that reading, Stacy? Written under the name of Selena Montgomery, but for the first time I'm holding up the book, you've written a book under your own name while Justice Sleeps, and boy, do you take us on a ride. It involves a corrupt president who's ruthless, a, just, a, a justice of the Supreme Court who's in a coma, a law clerk, a biotech company. It, it's, it is so complex and so wild, and boy, what a ride. Why did you decide to put your name on this one? The only reason my name wasn't on Selena Montgomery's novels is that I was writing tax articles and social policy treatises at the same time I began publishing in fiction, and it was much easier to keep them separate. It was less about hiding that I wrote romance and being more concerned about romance readers not wanting to read romance by a tax wonk. <laughs> but, but Avery Keene, as you point out, or she says, I'm not just a law clerk. Tell us about her, a law clerk. So Avery is this incredibly complicated young woman who is finishing her second year as a law clerk to a Supreme Court justice and who is just trying to figure out what she's going to do next. She's got to deal with a strained relationship with her mother and a really uncertain future. And she gets dragged into the story where she has to execute this power of attorney, this responsibility for a Supreme Court justice, but without really having the authority to make anyone do what she needs them to do. And she's got to stay alive while she tries to do it. Yeah, mom's got some drug issues. I thought it was interesting to hear that your family was involved in this. Number one, I think it's cool that, that your family has its own book club. I think that's really nice. But your family was involved in writing this one, or not writing it, but they were giving you input. Well, I've been privileged to have my siblings help me with most of my books. My dad actually, on one of my romance novels, had some very arcane knowledge I needed to use at some point. But in this book, it was really my brothers and sisters who each pitched in as I was writing to save me a lot of time on Google because it's easier. We can go to you know a first source who can yeah. tell you exactly what you need to know. Yeah. Stacey, we had Jake Tapper on yesterday, another very busy person who somehow found time to write a book. He said he did it because he set aside 15 minutes a day at least to write. How do you do it? I, I am not that disciplined in that way, but what I do figure out is how many days it will take me to write. I can write between 2,500 and 3,000 words a day, and so I carve out a number of days necessary to give myself time to write, time to hate writing, time to come back and get it done anyway, and it is usually because I've figured out the other parts of my week but I, I love writing, and I'm going to get it done. Stacey, I love the Sunday morning piece that you did the other day. I really love the end. They were talking about dating, and you said you had a relationship, didn't work out because of your schedule. But you said something that really resonated with me. You said, it's really nice to have somebody like you. It's really nice to have somebody who likes you. And I think that that is so true. Because let me tell you, the struggle is real. It's hard out here for a pimp. So what are you thinking about when it comes to dating Stacey Abrams in your life? you got a lot of stuff going on. Well, I, I have not focused on it that much this month. Uh, we've been trying this to work month. on democracy yes. and, you know, preserving access for, you know, Americans and fighting to make sure COVID recovery is real. But if the guy realizes I'm out here and wants to, you know, drop me a note, I'm looking forward to meeting him. <laughs> All right. I have a, I have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer yes, question, yes, but yes. we have to go to Absolutely. Do we? Oh, go ahead. All right. I'm gonna, I, as, as a non-fan, I'm going to read this one right off the page here. You are a Quickly huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Actors have come forward in recent months alleging mistreatment by the creator, Joss, Joss Whedon. Can you separate the art from the man? 
I think it's important in all art forms to recognize that the product sometimes is different. In fact, often is different than the creator. Mm-hmm. There are, and I talked about this in another piece that I, I responded to. Stacy, we got to go. We got to go. We'll pick it up on the internet. One second. Uh, the okay. book "While Justice Sleeps" is out today. We'll be right back. I didn't expect. Uh, Gail King, she said it's hard out here for a pimp, but <laughs> that's funny. I didn't expect CBS News to talk about um, Stacy's uh, pen name, and I like to do my podcast episodes authentically, and I did not. This is the first time I can honestly say this. I did not listen to the episode fully before I recorded it, and I'm glad I didn't because they talked about a lot of things, and her book, uh, While Justice Sleeps, is pretty deep. And I think it would be interesting for those who are not familiar with her to check it out so you can really understand some of the things that are happening and how some of the things in the book are reflecting the real America. So I am glad I found this uh, this video. But what I wanted to do with this Wonderful Women Wednesday was introduce you just a little bit to Stacey Abrams, the person, not Stacey Abrams, the uh, advocate or the politician, because I've learned, if nothing else, in the last five years that people don't actually care about. Well, let me rephrase that. Some people don't care about the candidates. They just care about. Uh, who is telling them to support the candidates. And I'm going to be very um, transparent. The Republicans are being told by Donald Trump who to support and not support. And unfortunately, they're listening to him in a cultish manner. And those who are listening that are Donald Trump supporters, don't get upset. This is just my opinion. So I was glad to find that article. And it actually um, sidetracked my whole episode because I was trying to find ways for people to be familiar with her as a person and not just as as an author. So what I am going to do um, to kind of promote this specific book under her real name, While Justice Sleeps, I will make the picture of her book, which I do have, um, my picture on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on my Podbean hosting company because I always try to put pictures with, well, I always do put pictures with my episodes so you can get an idea of what my episodes are about. But before I close this episode out, I want you to listen to this. Just hours ago, Democrat Stacey Abrams announced she is going for it again. She is jumping into the race to become Georgia's next governor. And of course, politicians on both sides are reacting to her making it official that news tonight. Our Pablo Soro on the story for us. Stacey Abrams announcing her second run for governor of Georgia in a two and a half minute Twitter video. Because opportunity and success in Georgia shouldn't be determined by your zip code, background, or access to power. Ten minutes later, Governor Brian Kemp tweeting that he's, quote, fighting against Abrams, the failed Biden agenda, and their woke allies to keep Georgia the best place to live, work, and raise a family. A moment of deja vu. Abrams and Kemp went head-to-head in the 2018 gubernatorial race, where Abrams narrowly lost to Kemp. Since then, she's been credited with helping Democrats with strong voter turnout in the last presidential and Senate elections, where Democrats Joe Biden, Raphael Warnock, and John Ossoff won. Stacey Abrams is deeply experienced in our state legislature. Uh, She's been a tireless advocate 
for voting rights. I don't want to get ahead of any uh, endorsement announcements, uh, but very excited that she's entered this race. Former President Donald Trump releasing this statement endorsing neither of them, calling Abrams the hoax and writing that Trump supporters will not be voting for Kemp after, quote, what he did with respect to election integrity in two horribly run elections. Now, Abrams' announcement comes later than it did back in 2018 when she launched the campaign more than a year in advance to the Democratic Party. Now she's expected to have the primary to herself. Meanwhile, Kemp has been actively campaigning for re-election for months. The reason why I wanted to play the clip you just heard, it's from Atlanta news station 11 Alive. And when it's happening in Atlanta, the state of Georgia, I like to get the local news perception of what's going on. And as you have heard by now, Governor Kemp is having some opposition on the Republican side with losing Senator David Perdue. Now, <clears throat> I was a little kind of kind of taken back by Raphael, not Raphael, um, John Ossoff's comment about not talking about endorsements. Mm, all I got to say to that is, if you don't endorse her, I promise you, you will not be a senator for Georgia again. That I can promise you. So I just wanted you guys to kind of hear the local news and what they were saying. And uh, as they mentioned, she announced it on Twitter, which I do follow her on Twitter. And didn't want to just go pull that. I just wanted to pull the local things. So I just wanted to give the listeners a different uh, a different outlook on Stacey Abrams as a person and not just the uh, voting rights advocate so that you can see that she's human, she makes mistakes, and she does great things. So, Stacey Abrams, I hope, and I'm just being biased right now because I try not to be, but in this case, I don't have any problem being biased. I am a supporter of Stacey Abrams, and I hope she makes history of being the first black African-American governor in America and definitely for being the governor of Georgia. And I just want to make a comment to the uh, listeners of Georgia that are not Democrats, to the independent and Republican uh, voters. I want you all to really, really do some research on what's happening in Georgia and the financial aid that has continuously, since we've had a Republican governor, been rejected by uh, the federal government. There's so much money that was offered to Georgia in the last 10 years, and it has all been rejected. They didn't want it from President Obama. They didn't want it for, from, now they don't want it from Joe Biden. But a lot of the things that they were offering the state of Georgia for free money, it has been rejected because they were Democrat presidents. So you Republicans and independent voters, you might want to think about that because the things that I'm talking about are things that we do have um, affecting our everyday lives. I mean, basic things. And I don't want to go into it because the episode's not about that, but I want to encourage you to go do some research on the millions and millions of dollars that the Republican governors for the state of Georgia have rejected from Democrat presidents over the last 10 years. Now, I'm not sure what former President Trump has offered the state of Georgia, so I can't say if they rejected that, but they publicly rejected any money coming from President Obama and President Biden, and this is money for the state 
citizens that would affect your everyday talking over the table uh, subjects. So keep that in mind because those of you who are on a restricted income and Medicaid and Medicare rights and, and, and money is not coming to you, you better thank the Republican governors for that. Go do your research. Don't take my word on it. I mean, I'm very familiar with what has been rejected in millions for the state of Georgia. And every single dollar that was rejected was only rejected from a Republican governor. And if you go do deeper research, you will get video where they're telling you that they're rejecting it because the president is a Democrat. Now, that's sad because like Stacey says, she's trying to bring us together. And the thing that's really scary is that. I have friends I talk to who are complaining about all the different changes that they're not getting. And I had to give them the research because I knew they wouldn't believe me or do it and show them that Kemp and our previous Republican governor, Purdue. And I mean, it's just I had to give them the research of all the things that they're complaining about money wise, whether they were retired or unemployed or underpaid, all the money that was given Oh, excuse me, offered to the state of Georgia by Democrat presidents, every single penny was rejected. So instead of listening to certain people and following them because they're a Republican or a Democrat, as I always say, do your own research and find out who's doing what's best for your family and your interests. Because as I mention all the time, I'm a registered Democrat, but I'm an independent voter and I do vote for Republicans, but Republican voters... Please pay attention to what the Republicans are not doing for you. And I'm not saying that Stacy is the answer to everything, but at least be open-minded to what she can bring to your dinner table and your family when it comes to surviving in this pandemic and in this very divisive country at this time. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. We are also now on Instagram, and forgive me because I'm still trying to learn Instagram, but we are, we are on Instagram also at Advocacy Ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company, Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723, or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And you know my favorite question is, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.